I'm just so happy that, that he's blessed me with this job and they gave me Sundays off, they honored me and, and I'm, just, I'm just in awe of, of, of his faithfulness, you know. And I have, I have a scripture to back that up. So let me look it up. <laughs> so, you know, everybody has heard of this one. Is, um, I'm sorry. It's Matthew. I think it's Matthew 6.33 where it says, um, seek, seek first his kingdom and, and everything will, all these things will, will fall into place. And so, and I seek him first and everything just always falls into place. And I just want to encourage everyone to just seek him everywhere, not just in the work field, in the family, in the marriage, and in your kids. And he will just bless you with wisdom and, and just knowledge and anything. So that's it. It's just encouraging everyone to just seek him first and everything. He will bless you. He will honor that. So I just want to pray for everyone right now. Thank you, Lord, for being so faithful to us, God, and, and just listening to our cries and just uh, being there for us, God. When we just put you first and we stand in your word, we stand firm to your promises, God. You bless us, Lord, and we just thank you so much for that. And God, I just lift up this service to you and the people in the sanctuary, God. And I just pray that you would just show up and show off, God, from the beginning to the end, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. so good to be with you this morning. Hallelujah. Let's think about this. The greatest day. You ready? The greatest day in story. Death is beaten and you have rescued me. Sing it out. Jesus is alive. Crossing the empty cross. The empty cross. The empty Life eternal.
Jesus. Shake it for your freedom, Jesus. Oh, happy day, happy day. Come on, sing it out. Wash my say oh. Such a happy day. One more time. your presence is here we thank you lord god that you have all that we need right here in your presence jesus oh lord we want to draw near to you lord hallelujah come on if that's your prayer if you want to draw near can you just close your eyes with us today hallelujah we need you god we thank you
Jesus' hands this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Fill our souls with your desire. Let our passion One more time, let this love, let this love. Yes, Holy Spirit, let our lives be like a flame today. Fill our souls with your desire. Let our passion bring you faith. We want to burn for you, Lord. We want to burn in front of this world for you, God. We ask that you would burn away the junk of our lives. We ask that you would burn away the idols of our lives today. That we would burn solely for you, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, everything is a loss compared to knowing you. Let us burn for you today, God. Come on, can you raise your hand today? Can you just start being filled with the Holy Spirit? Let your voice raise to Jesus today. You are our one desire. We are satisfied only by you. Jesus, our hearts cry for more, our hearts cry for more. If you have a doubt today, if you have a doubt of God is real, I dare you to raise your hands right now. Come on, if you have a single doubt that God loves you or that he's real, I challenge you to raise your hands right now and say, God, if you are real, touch me, touch me, touch me, Lord. You could have been here for one day in this church. You could have been here for a hundred days. He is still real. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the same God of miracles, church. He's still the same God that touches his people with fire. Hallelujah. Keep keep pressing closer, church. Can you keep pressing closer with us? Come on, faith is building in this room. Faith is building. Faith is building. Hope is rising. It's because of his love. It's because of his love. All fear we cast out in the name of Jesus. Fear of the past, fear of the future. We cast it out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on, before we move on, I know there's a word in this room for you today. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He is speaking to this place. Come on. If you have a word from heaven, come on, speak it out right now. searching come on his love is available right now come on if that's you can you respond to him today come on the peace that you're searching all that that we're searching for is in him hallelujah jesus send your love today god you are life you are love you are love god you are love itself jesus we search you out we seek you, Lord.
as the one who gave us the life that we have, as the one who gave us the arms that we lift in praise and the, the lungs with which we sing. We bless you today in the name of your beautiful son, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. For Jesus. You can find your seat um, as uh, we dismiss our children to Sunday school. Thank you. We're going to prepare to take communion this morning. Our ushers will begin passing out the cups for communion. And as they do that, I want to prepare you for communion by preaching to you the good news. Uh, and for some of you, this good news is old news. Because I'm going to tell you something you've already heard before. Let me pause a second. My name is Pastor Jared. Some of you know me, but for those who don't, hello. Nice to meet you. It's great to see you all this morning. I want to tell you the best news you'll ever hear, but you've already heard it before. The question is, what are you going to do about it? I want to tell you something. God loves you. Have you heard that before? What does that mean to you? What are you willing to do about it? God loves you. You're going to love him back? God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus into this world to be a sacrifice for your sins. So instead of you paying for your sins, he pays for your sins at the cross. How many of you have, of you have heard before Jesus died for your sins? Heard it my whole life. And he didn't stay dead, did he? He rose on the third day. We've heard this our whole lives. I've heard it my whole life, and it never meant anything to me, folks. I never believed it in my heart. I, I thought I believed it. I was taught it. I acknowledged it, that, that these facts were true. But Christianity was irrelevant to me. It didn't change how I lived my life. And when I surveyed a lot of folks over the years, because I asked them these questions, do you believe this? What does this mean to you? What are you going to do about it? Well, Jesus died for my sins so I can keep living the way I want to and be forgiven because after all, nobody's perfect. Isn't that how we live? Isn't that how we treat the cross, a license to do what we want and have forgiveness and eventually go to heaven after we die? If it was about going to heaven after we die, by the way, well, he would just beam us up right now, wouldn't he? But if you live another 50 years, what are you going to be doing? What's it going to look like? One of the things that Jesus died for and raised for was so that you could be a friend of God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation happens when a broken relationship is restored. 
when you're living in sin or you choose a false religion or whatever it is, you are a stranger to God and you are his enemy. When you are reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Jesus, you become his friend and his child. The relationship is restored. And the moment you put your faith in Jesus, that, that's what that means. You live as a friend of God and as a child of God in this world. And you forsake your old way of life. I need to prepare you for that because we're about to take communion. We're going to sit at the Lord's table, as it were. This is like having fellowship with Jesus. But did you know that Jesus sometimes ate with his enemies? Jesus ate with Pharisees. And even as they're breaking bread, these Pharisees are looking at him funny. They're questioning him. They're testing him. And you could take this this morning just to be religious because everyone else is doing it and still be his enemy and still be lost. Today, you need to be reconciled to God. I'd actually like us all to stand up at this point. You cannot continue to live in the sins Jesus died for. We're going to have a few prayer workers up here as well. Pastor Griselda and Salvador. You have to leave that old way behind to walk as God's friend. If you are my friend and you are always dishonoring me, doing things I don't like, slapping me in the face, would we be friends? How are you going to be Jesus' friend? How are you going to be walk as a child of God in this world? I'm going to say a prayer out loud. And if you're serious about the Lord and, and anyone who already knows Jesus, you can pray this to encourage uh, the rest of them. But please repeat this with me. If you're serious about being a friend of God today. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize that I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against others. I've sinned against myself. And I've sinned against you. God, I heard that when I call on your son, you will call me son or daughter. You will accept me. You will forgive me. You will embrace me. You will make me new. I want that. Please give me that. Change me. I never want to be the same again. As long as I live in this life and in the world to come, I want to be your child. And I don't want anything to get in the way. I want fellowship with you. No matter what that means, cutting old ties, breaking off relationships, a complete change of my life. You are worth it, God. In the name of Jesus, change me. Amen. I think we can take communion now. We can begin to fellowship with God. Don't get ahead of me. We have uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25 on the screen. 
It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We're about to have a reenactment of the Lord's Supper. We're about to hang out with Jesus. And we're also going to remember his sacrifice on the cross. This is a sacred time. Let's take this together. The body of Jesus broken for us. God. We take the cup, the blood of the covenant, which signifies our eternal love relationship with God. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for, we thank you for the cross. Lord, we have sinned greatly against you. Lord, we've been sinning our whole lives. We've been shaking our fist at you our whole lives. And God, our freedom is not free. Our forgiveness is not free, Lord. Someone paid for it. God, you gave everything when you gave your son. You gave the best when you gave your son. You could have created a thousand universes and gave them all, and it would be nothing to you. But you gave of your very self. We honor you, Lord, and we honor the body and blood of Jesus today. We thank you that your son came and he was just like us, tempted in every way, yet without sin. And he's, he's with us to the end of the age. And he, he's our representative. And we're in him and he's in us, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. If we could just uh, sing to the Lord and in honor of the cross.
remain standing in that attitude of worship. We want to say together, as the family of God, our confession of faith. On the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God, a creator, who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible. reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Take a moment, reach somebody you don't know, get prayer with these fine folks. As distant hearts begin believing, redemption's bid is unrelenting. morning for church. Come on, clap it up for Jesus. We want to welcome you guys all here, especially if this is your first time. Good to see you guys. 
Keep on coming back, inviting your friends and family. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. That's our family service. We have King, King's Kids in the back for the kids, infant to 11 years old. And then on Fridays, we have Elevate, 7 p.m. every week. That's our Elevate Youth Service for 11 to 18 years old. If you know anybody in that age group, teenagers in your life, bring them on by. This is a place to be for them on Friday nights. They're blowing it up for Jesus, winning their friends to the Lord. It's just a powerful time. And we have the best youth leaders ever, okay? So let's just clap it up for our youth leaders that dedicate their lives to these youth. Want to give them a shout out today. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Say it with me. Vision, strategy, goal. Good. Our vision is loving God, loving people, two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus through our life groups. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. That is our process of how we raise up disciples and leaders here in the church. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism so that we could keep winning the lost for the Lord. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world. If you want to be a part of that, say, let's do it. All right. So somebody say connect. We have life groups for you. On the back of your handouts, You'll see the, the schedule of, for the new quarter for January, February, and March. Awesome stuff happening. Check out the times and locations that will meet the needs of you and your family and find a place to connect, okay? So here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. Today we're kicking it off with our single moms. Come on, single moms, make some noise. They are blowing it up. They have child care provided, 5 p.m. There's the address. Meet them there if you're a single mom. You don't want to miss out. Today, as well, we have the singles ready to mingle, 18 to 35 years old, 4 p.m. That's the address. And just so that you know, the singles today are having a Super Bowl party. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're single, you're not married, you go there, okay? Wednesday, every week, we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 630 here at the church. Awesome leaders there. You want your children to be there if they're in that age group. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club impact girls club and they're just learning so much about jesus and having a relationship with him thursday we have our gang outreach every week 18 years and up 7 p.m winning well young people to the lord that are on the streets just wasting their life they need jesus and then every week on fridays we have two adult bible studies for you one is at the Goveas, the other one is at the Vivid's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., rocking it out for Jesus. This quarter, they're going through the Truth Project, powerful video series of getting deep into theology, deep into the, into the thoughts that people ask, how the world works, and just a powerful, powerful time. So you want to be there. Look to your neighbor, say, get connected. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 book. The 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. And we have leaders ready to take you through that book one-on-one. -on -one. Aren't you guys excited about that? We have leaders ready to invest their life into you. So meet somebody today. Ask them, how do I get mentored through the 101 if you have not started that yet? It's an awesome time. And we want to walk through this journey of you getting closer to Jesus so that you know you're not by yourself. And then 201 is Disciples That Make Disciples. This is a classroom setting. Sunday mornings with Pastor Jared and Thursday evenings with Pastor Ellie. Powerful time. You continue the discipleship journey. This is where we train you to be a leader one day. Somebody say mentor. 
that we want to send you out to do evangelism. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we hit the streets, preach the gospel on street corners, different locations, but you meet here at the church first. This is your training ground to be a gospel preacher, okay? How many gospel preachers do I have in the house? Come on. We get uh, grounded in boldness. We are ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, and all I want to encourage you is to not be scared. You may not know how to do it. You've never done it before, and fear may keep you away, but I want to challenge you. Get out there. Join them. You will be rocked. The Bible says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So if you need a refreshing in your walk with God, go preach the gospel to the lost. You'll never be the same again. Amen. So MPI has a vision, strategy, a goal. Vision of loving God, loving people. Strategy of connect, mentor, send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah? Woo! You guys are just bringing it out of me today. I love it. How many of you guys are ready to give your tithes and offerings to the Lord? Come on. MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income. We designate offering towards two different locations, one towards missions, the other towards building. It's, a, it's an act of worship. We need to be faithful to the Lord, committed to the Lord in giving our time. We take that very seriously, and we want to thank you for joining and partnering with the vision that God has given to us here in Chicago and to reach the earth. Uh, let's get into our lesson in the Disciples Giving Book. You can find it online at givingbook.org. Still on section one of the book, all about tithes for this section. Lesson six is today. Lesson six, God curses those who don't tithe. Say, ooh, very serious. God curses those who don't tithe. God's not playing. Definition of tithe, 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. The scripture that we're going to be reading is Malachi 3, 8 through 9, probably one of the most popular scriptures on tithing. Malachi 3, 8 through 9, you can follow along on the screen or turn in your Bibles. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. This is God speaking. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Here are the two main points. Number one, not tithing is considered robbing God. God considers the tithe his. Thus, when we don't give it back, he considers us robbers. It's a very serious situation for the Lord when we keep our finances back to him. It shows a lack of trust, a lack of commitment on our part to know that he is in control. And how many of you guys believe that 100% of what we have already belongs to God? But all he asks in return is 10% because he knows we need to live on the rest of it. But we need to be faithful in tithes and offerings. And it's not because man will find out or you have to be afraid of your leader or your pastor. This is a, a spiritual act of worship between you and Jesus. And he keeps track. He knows. And just and the thing that uh, gets to me the most about this passage, it says your whole nation. Do you know that as a nation we give more to pet food than we do in tithes and offerings just as a nation, as a whole, people that claim to be Christians in churches, we give a very small percentage of finances. More on pet food. Just think about that. Millions of people all around the world that need to hear about Jesus. Millions of people all around the world that need support. Orphanages, clean waters. We give more to pet food as a nation than we give to the church. God have mercy on us as a nation. And number two, God curses those who don't tithe. God curses or punishes those who break his commands both in this life and in the judgment to come. How many of you guys want to follow God's commands fully? It starts with our finances just as much as anything else in our life. And here's the summary. 
Giving God our whole tithe is a very serious command that will result in curses and punishment if we neglect it. Let's be blessed to be a blessing. Let's receive the blessings of the Lord as we trust him in our finances and remain faithful in that. Here's three ways that you could apply this to your life. Number one, don't rob God by keeping his tithe. Number two, repent if you have been robbing God by stealing his tithe. And number three, give God your tithe faithfully. Just consider it gone right off the top. Don't give him the leftover. Just the moment you receive your income, just know that the first part of that percentage, that 10% and whatever you decide to give to the Lord in offering is already not considered in the rest of your budget. That belongs to God. Amen? Let's confess this over our life together on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If that gets you excited, please stand up to your feet this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our very best, our tithes and offerings. Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income. Offering is designated towards missions and building. And I just want to remind you on the envelope, please put the exact amount of dollars that you want to go towards each of these um, parts on the envelope, tithes, missions, and buildings, so we can allocate the funds properly according to where you want it. Here's a, oh, before I get to the building fund, here's four ways for you to give. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Griselda if you have any questions about that. And number four, you could give online at Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. We want to make it convenient for you. Here's the update uh, for the uh, sorry for the uh, for the building fund lost my words there give it up clap it up for yourselves and for Jesus we raised two thousand nine hundred and forty dollars to date and we have eight thousand one hundred and eighty left thank you thank you thank you we are gonna knock this out it's it just shows what God's people can do when we get together just like how we did for the sign, that's still in the process. We're just going to blow it up for Jesus, make everything look nice, and we are so excited. So if you have not joined us in the building fund and given your pledge to the Lord, here are three ways that you can do that. Number one, pray, ask God what you should give. Number two, listen to the Holy Spirit. And three, give and give generously between you and the Lord. He'll tell you what that amount should be. Amen. Let's recite this verse together, Philippians 4:18. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your blessings, God. And we do not want to be robbers of your tithe and offering, God. We want to be found faithful stewards, faithful servants, Lord, giving our tithe and our offerings faithfully. And I pray, oh God, that you would meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Bless and prosper your people on the job, in their life, with their children. And Lord, I pray that we would be blessed to be a blessing to everybody around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. And thank you so much for your support and generosity.
Amen. If you're ready to do some battles, say I'm ready. Come on, somebody go whoop, whoop. Amen. You know, like the Marines have oorah, we have whoop, whoop. How many ready? Say whoop, whoop. Amen. We're bringing back the, uh, the Arsenio Hall thing there. Open up your Bibles with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And if it feels a little bit dark in here, it's not your eyes playing tricks on you. We came in this morning and all three of our white stage lights went out at the same time. And so we're trying to figure it out. We don't think that it's a, uh, a plug issue because we've plugged them in down on another plug and they're not working. So we honestly think of all the chances of this happening, it's very rare, but all three white light bulbs boop, went out at one time. And the only thing we can think of is if we put them in at the same time. You know, and, But I wasn't here when they put them in. So if somebody put them in at the same time, that might make sense. So it may look like I'm a little bit shadowy today, a little bit in, in this. This might fit well right here like I'm in a battle, you know what I'm saying? Like this is like the spiritual warfare. It's happening right now. We're fighting the devil in darkness and maybe there's going to be like a little light show here. Ping, ping, you know what I'm saying? Get my, get my little laser pointer here. Okay, so open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It's February. It's a new month. You all have taken communion, which is our habit the first Sunday of every month, and it's time for a new sermon series. How many are ready? Can I hear an Amen. Amen. Last month we talked about the vision, strategy, and goal of the church, and we learned about being chosen for what God called us to do. And now for the month of February and possibly for March, we'll play it by ear, don't know how long it's going to be for, we're going to learn about spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. And today's message is the basics. Everybody say the basics. Amen. Now let me just preface by saying this. Some of you are going to be a little disappointed in this sermon series because it may not be as weird as you want me to be, okay? You may want me to talk about different kinds of demons and all these things, and you may have an affinity towards horror movies or things like that, and you might be a little disappointed, okay? Now there is another group, and you may be a little bit freaked out, okay? So there's one group that may be like, oh man, Pastor, you're going to teach me to know my angel's name because I, I I believe we all have guardian angels, and I want to know their name so I can talk to them every day. No, we're not going to get that weird. We're not going to get that weird. And then there's some of you who may say, Pastor, you mean you really want me to believe there's demons around, and they're attacking me all throughout my day? Pastor, you really want me? That's, that's scary. So here's the thing. For those of you who want to go to the extreme of weirdy land and superstition, uh, we're not going there. We're going to look at the Bible and learn exactly what the Bible teaches about spiritual warfare. And then for those of you who are like a little scared. You're like, well, I don't know if we should talk about stuff like this. We're going to talk about stuff like this because it's in the Bible. Can I get an amen? So I hope that both uh, groups can meet right in the middle. And most of you are probably just like, Pastor, I'm ready for it, so bring it on. And here's a cool thing, by the way. I have never done a sermon series on uh, spiritual warfare. So in all my years of pastoring, you know, over 15 years, this is a new one for me. So I've had some fun researching and putting this together. And uh, let's take a moment out. forgot to do this at the beginning. But let's pray for our brothers and sisters at, at Mardi Gras. There's hundreds and thousands of people, uh, Christians, but hundreds with our group that are going going on the streets every day right now preaching the gospel at the largest part in the largest party of America and I was down there for a few days I took some time off and then I also went fishing in Grand Isle Louisiana in my shorts and then a short sleeve shirt and it felt good and I don't want to make you all jelly or anything but let's pray for our brothers and sisters in Mardi Gras father I thank you for the SUM Bible College and for all of the students that went down there for Pastor Ellie our youth pastor I pray that you'll be with them today as they're preaching the gospel and all the other teams our friends from the race 
Raven team and the Answering the Cries team with Pastor Wayne and Pastor Grogan, Lord. And, Lord, there's got to be at least two or 3,000 Christians out there in and, and, and these teams that they all come together, God. So I pray you protect them, keep them safe. And I already heard a testimony, Lord, that uh, the SUM team, the 300 of them out there, prayed for 1,800 people last night. So on average, each person prayed for five people. And, Lord, over 100 people gave their heart to you, 100 salvations just on their first uh, their second night, rather, Lord. And we just thank you, and we ask you to save New Orleans, God, and save the cities in America and Chicago included, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. amen. Give it up for Jesus. Amen. You know they're radicals going out there preaching. And you guys are always welcome to go out there and join them too. Feel free to join them any year. Let us know. We'll help you get down there. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, finally, this is at the end of Paul's letter here to the Ephesians. The Ephesians are a people who live in the city of Ephesus. So that's how you can understand the books of the Bible. So if they were writing to people in Chicago, what would be the name of that book? Chicagoans, there you go. Chicagoans would be the name of that book. So the Ephesus people, they have a book called Ephesians. Paul's written this letter to them. There's no chapters and verses. He's just writing it in the flow. They put that in later so we could all read the Bible and be on the same page. But he now says, finally, he's letting you know he's coming to a close. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, this is what we're going to learn. When it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to fighting the forces of darkness, the first thing that we need to know is being strong in the Lord. So this is not about demons. This is not about fixating ourselves on the evil of the world. This is not trying to create a horror film, or this is not trying to become weird. This is simply understanding we are in a battle. He's going to start describing it. We're going to learn so much this month and maybe even beyond, and, and you're going to see all that that God has for you to do. And it may get to points where you don't believe it all. It may, it may be hard for you to believe. But this is the point. You need to be strong in the Lord. Strong in Jesus. Knowing that His mighty power has made you more than a conqueror. And that's where we begin. We begin from the mighty power of the Lord. Somebody say, be strong in the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Now verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. That means you are going to go to war. You are going to fight. You may not recognize this now, but you are in a spiritual battle. Every living soul is in a spiritual battle. The Christian is to put on the full armor of God, not partially, full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now think about it like this. You are standing in victory and you are to stand against him trying to move you out of that place of victory so imagine you like in your in your house you like let's say we are being attacked and we are in battle and people have invaded us and you have said i am not leaving my house i am going to stand right here i am going to fight can i get a whoop whoop from some men up in this place and some ladies that want to fight up in this place come on and you say you are not going to move me from this block, from this house, from this neighborhood, I will stand and fight. That's what he's saying right here. He is saying stand and fight. Put on the full armor of God and fight. Don't run away. Don't give in. And don't let him knock you down. Stand. Somebody say stand. Thank you. Now look at what he says in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
Our fight is not against flesh and blood. No matter what we see flesh and blood doing, ultimately it's because of the evil forces behind them. Yes, we may have to fight ISIS physically, and Bible talks about a time to go to physical war, but what's going on is there are spirits, you're going to see, there is an enemy, the devil, who is lying to ISIS and creating that situation, the false religion of Islam, are you with me? The false ideology of communism, the dictatorship of North Korea, these ideas come from demons. See, I told you I don't freak some of you all out. Comes from demons. Man has not come up with these ideas. These are from demons. You are going to learn about demons. You are going to learn that you are in a spiritual battle. And it is more crazy than any horror movie you've ever seen. All of the horror movies you've ever seen pale in comparison to this. This is the battle of the ages. So I want you to see for our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Come on, somebody go, ooh. Wow, look at that. Look at that. That's your Bible. That's your Bible right here talking. So hello, 21st century Christians. Are you going to believe your Bible? I want to ask you today, are you going to believe your Bible? Are you going to believe that there is a real battle? That there are real forces. There are real powers. There are real authorities. There are real rulers that want to destroy you. Come on. Y'all got to get that this morning. There are, you have an enemy that wants to steal from you, that wants to kill you, take you out early and destroy you, wants to do it to you, wants to do it to your grandmama, wants to do it to your friends, wants to do it to your neighbors, hello somebody, wants to do it to every person around you. Now, I want you to see this right here. Look at John 10.10. 10. Everybody go to John 10.10 10 in their Bible. It's not on the karaoke screen. I want to take my time. But, brother, you have the wrong Bible up there, and I'll see if you have the other one. You do not. So we're going to leave it here for now. But when I get preaching, I need you to move it and get the right one there. If you don't know how to do it, Jose will help you in the back. Thank you. Let's give it up for Steve. He's filling in for Pastor Ellie. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> I want you to see John 10.10. 10. Look at this verse. This is Jesus talking. Everybody say Jesus wouldn't lie. Okay, I want you to see this. Don't do it now, sir. I need to continue to show them this scripture. Look at what Jesus said right here. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Go ahead and put that other one up for me as I preach a little bit. Let me just give an introduction before the introduction. Because I could, you know, here I talk to Nancy every time when we get done having service. And I'm like, did you notice I had to go off a little bit? Did you notice I had to kind of explain it a little bit? And I say, man, you know how weird that is for me? Because when I come up, I have one idea of what I'm going to do. I, you know, I have one plan of what I'm going to say. I, I already think I'm going here. I'm going here. And when I get up here, the Lord just starts speaking to me. And it is, I, I don't, I don't want to make you guys think like I am no different than you because I think God can speak to you. But I'm just telling you, when I take this mic, there is a certain responsibility that I have as a pastor. 
and I'm a kind of pastor that wants to hear what God is saying. Now, I have certain friends that when they get up, they'll just start pushing through their notes. They'll, they'll just tell you what they have to say. And that's why a lot of you all have been to those kind of churches, and it didn't connect to you as much as it does here. And it, nothing against them. But I'm just telling you, see, a lot of these things that I take as, as what somebody might call a rabbit trail is really trying to interact with you in the audience. You understand? I'm trying to hear what is your heart. What is the, what is the vibe, uh, other words, of what's going on right now? And I can just tell that some of you are not sure whether or not to believe you have an enemy. And so i got to explain some things to you before we get on to this next thing that i got to, to read to you. But I want you all to hear this today. You have a real enemy that hates you with everything in his being. There is no, nothing in the devil that is good. And so everything is pure wickedness. And if he could have aborted you as a baby, he would have done it. And, and, and if he could have molested you, he would have done it. He, uh, every wicked possible thing he would have wanted to do. And if he got through to someone in your family to molest you, that was him. Now, your family member might have went along with it. That uncle, that dirty, filthy uncle might have went along with it. But the very fact that he had that idea placed in his mind was of the devil. Hello, somebody. The, the reason why some of you have lost family members to violence, I mean, it, it, it is illogical. It is illogical. Why would people fight on corners that they don't even own? They're, they're not even freedom fighters. They're not even fighting for bread and for their children. There are gang members that are killing each other over colors. Over colors. You, do you understand? That's a demonic. That, that comes from a demonic origin. That comes from a devil that says, I have seen humanity. I hate humanity. And I want to take them out. Now, I've I got, I got to say some more things just to wake you up today. You, you see, homosexuality may be a feeling that some people have. I get it. You may have that feeling. But the idea to accept that feeling and to act on that feeling, to become proud of that feeling, that is not from your God and Creator. That is a demonic spirit. That is a lie to you. Now, listen, I'm not saying everybody is demon-possessed. We'll understand the idea from the devil messing with us or what we will call afflicting us, attacking us, and possessing. Very few people in the world are possessed by demons, but many are influenced by their thoughts and ideas. You, you see, when, when a man is married to his wife and he has children and he's taking care of them and he starts to get an idea to cheat on his wife, to, to leave his wife, you see, this is, this is demonic. Yes, it, yes it, 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 it makes sense to his physical body. Yes, he feels a sense of physical attraction. But it is a demonic idea to put a father out of the home. Hello, somebody. It's a demonic idea to act on same-sex attraction. It, it's a demonic idea for us to fight and war against each other. It, it's demonic. And we got to wake up and say, we're in a battle. Can I hear an amen? amen. Are you ready to get to the introduction? Okay, because i got to read you something now. Now, I normally don't read you guys stuff, but I timed myself. My, my wife's a witness. I had to read this like three or four times because I said, there's no way I can download this much information to you in a, in a preaching format because if I did, I will preach the introduction for two hours. So I said, let me on my own just read it, 
Let me just read it. And so pay attention if you can. Always you can find our notes online. Okay, good, sir. Whatever you've done, I, I need it to remain at this point. I want you to follow along. I want you to think about what I'm saying. And I, I just want you really in your heart. It's okay to have doubts. We all have doubts when we hear crazy stuff, especially in the Bible. Like there's some crazy stuff in the Bible. But you know what? Let's just read through it and just say, man, do I believe the Bible? Do I have enough trust in this to be like, this could be real. This could be really happening. This might explain some stuff. Hello? This might explain why the world is the way it is right now. This might do that. I believe it will. Now listen to this, please. A brief history of spiritual warfare. Let us start with a brief history of all creation, both in the heavens and in the universe, to learn how God created all beings, and they all have their part in the battle of the ages, including you. Before God created mankind, we are told in the Bible that God existed with angels. At some point, Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan, a high-ranking angel, most likely in charge of worship, allowed pride to enter into his heart and was then cast out of heaven. At this time, he deceived a third of heaven's innumerable angels to follow him. Next time we see Satan is in the Garden of Eden. He is there possessing a serpent to lie and tempt Eve to disobey God. Unfortunately, his plan worked, and both Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. At this point, check this out, at this point, the rulership of creation, which was given to Adam and Eve by God, was lost to Satan because mankind had disobeyed God. Satan, along with his fallen angels, a.k.a. demons, then began to tempt all the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve to bring forth evil upon the earth. Eventually, Jesus came in the form of a man to be the second Adam. That was the reason of the incarnation. That's why he had to become man, so that he might fully defeat Satan as a man, as a man. That's why he is our elder brother, the Bible says, defeat Satan and restore the authority of God's creation back to mankind for the glory of God the Father. Remember, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, never stopped being ultimately in charge of humanity and creation. However, according to fa the Father's justice, Satan rightfully had taken the authority away from mankind. So a man had to get it back. That's why Jesus, God the Son, had to come and get it back. Not for his sake, but for our sake. Somebody say amen. amen. Now listen. This is why when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he said he was able to give all of the earth's kingdoms to Jesus if he would worship him. You remember that in the temptation? He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, if you worship me, I will give you this. That was not a lie. Jesus, God the Son in the flesh, refused to commit treason against God the Father as Adam and Eve did. Thus, he willingly paid the highest price for mankind's sin upon the cross and became the eternal King of kings and Lord of lords. Though mankind falling into sin was not God's desire. So somebody could say, did God know about this from the beginning? Then why did he create him? Yes, it was not his desire, but to maintain mankind's free will. See, God created us with a will to choose. He always had a plan for Jesus to come to save us when we messed up. He could have created robots, and there never would have been any evil. But the moment he said, I want creatures that have free will, he had to put in the plan a way of salvation if we were to mess it up. And ultimately, he knew we would, but it was worth it for him for us to be created and freely choose him. Love is a choice. Come on, how many believe love is a choice? 
Amen. Therefore, after Jesus, the eternal word, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and was crucified, he broke the curse of sin off of mankind by satisfying God the Father's righteous law and defeated Satan. All the verses are there for you. The resurrection and ascension. Listen to this. We don't just have make-believe. We're not just telling here little Pokemon stories or Star Wars stories. The resurrection and the ascension of Jesus proved to the world that Jesus had had in fact become the ruler of the universe by being the lamb slain for the sound, uh, from the sins of the world. Sadly today, check this out, everyone is still born into sin and is by nature under the curse of Satan because of Adam and Eve's rebellion. We still get their body. They were our great, great, great ancestors, our great parents. So when we are born, we're still born with a body under the curse because of Adam and Eve's rebellion. However, because of Jesus' sacrifice, everyone who has faith in him repents of their sin and proclaims Jesus as Lord can be born again. Everybody say born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I was born a sinner, you were born a sinner, but it's time to get born again a saint. Amen? Everyone who is born again becomes a son or daughter of God the Father and now shares in the inheritance of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit who is a deposit within them and a guarantee of God's promises to come. So the Holy Spirit is in the believer right now and it is a guarantee that God is real, that Jesus is coming again, and that the promises he made in the Bible are real. We have a personal relationship with God. You can experience the God of the Bible. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, after salvation, the devil, like a roaring lion, may still try to tempt and defeat the disciple while they dwell upon the earth. But our victory, everybody say victory. But our victory is secure in Jesus. At the same time, we must stand until the time comes when Satan is once and for all defeated and cast into the lake of fire when Jesus returns. So his time is short. His time is limited. He will then be cast off of this earth. When humanity has come to its fullness, when God has allowed all of Adam and Eve's generation to come to the fullness of what he wanted creation to be, all mankind will have had their choice of good versus evil. They have all have either chosen him or chosen the devil, and then once and for all, he is done. So even the devil was a pawn in God's uh, kingdom. He was used to give us a choice. That's a whole other discussion. In conclusion, those who are not saved, listen, everybody listen to this, please, because you need to be able to explain this to your friends. In conclusion, those who are not saved are already condemned by their sin, being ruled by Satan's false spiritual agenda, and are sentenced to perish under God's righteous wrath. It's already done. They're already defeated. Their battle is lost. All of us, when we were sinners, it wasn't a battle. So all these people talking about wrestling their demons and all that, they may try to self-help themselves, self-adjust themselves, but they are already self-condemned. They are already on the way to hell. They are already the marble in, in, Satan's, little, in, in Satan's little bag. He's already got them. It's over for them unless they repent, unless they are born again. Therefore, the sinner's only hope for victory is to trust Jesus for their rebirth or be punished with the traitor of heaven and be found guilty of high treason against their creator, being sentenced to suffer the same fate as Satan. What is hell? Getting what you want, an existence without God. 
Without the lordship of God, those who have been born again must remain faithful to the end, fight the good fight of faith, and finish their race. Today, right now, are you ready to get it on and wage war against Satan and your flesh? Are you ready? Come on, somebody. Let's do this. Let's have some fun whooping the devil. He's got a big old butt, so he's got an easy target. Let's kick it. We are in a battle. The one who says, I don't believe in God, already lost. You're defeated on your way to hell. The one who says, I don't believe in Jesus, defeated on your way to hell. It, it don't matter whatever thing you attach to it. Well, I believe in this religion. I, I believe in that. It doesn't matter. You don't believe in Christ. You're already defeated. You have fallen for the traitor's deception. You have believed one of his lies. It's over for you. Somebody says, well, pastor, I don't believe all that. It doesn't matter. I could stand up here and say I don't believe in gravity. But when I jump, it still happens. You can say I don't believe in all this stuff. It's still happening, and it will happen before your eyes on judgment day. Or if you should die, you'll see it the day you die or on judgment day. And so now what we have to do as Christians is we need to know some things. We need, we need to go through this Bible, and we need to know some things. We, we need to put it together now. We need to understand, well, he was in the garden, Satan was there in the garden, and then he was messing around with people since then. He messed around with Jesus, he messed with the disciples, he possesses people. Okay, there he is. There's angels fighting on our behalf. We read about that throughout the Bible. We see, there's, we see that there's a, uh, a weapon that we have against in prayer in our word that we confess, the, the word of God, the Bible. And so what we need to now know is the Lord's side. Can I hear the Lord's side? Come on, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is the conquering king of heaven. There is no battle that he hasn't won or cannot win. Jesus, before he was incarnated into the flesh, was and still is God, but was God. I just want you all to know that Jesus was not born coming into existence on December 25th or whenever you celebrate his birth. He already existed. Here's the thing you have to understand, as we mentioned before. The reason he came as a man was to be a man that takes the authority away from the devil. That was, that was the importance of Jesus being a man. Who did God create in his image? Man, mankind, man and woman. Who did God give the garden to? Man, we'll just say mankind. Everybody say mankind, right? Just follow through with me. Who did God create in his image? Mankind. Who did God give the garden to? Mankind. Who did God give dominion to over all his creation? Mankind. So when man had authority... And he gave in to the authority of the devil. The authority switched from his hands to the devil's hands. That's why when Jesus was here as a man, he had to deal with the devil in the same kind of lies. When you read the temptation of Jesus, the devil is coming at Jesus with the same kind of lies that he came with Adam and Eve. And I don't have time to show you the similarities, but he came in three main temptations to Jesus, and he came in three main temptations to Adam and Eve. And those three main temptations are listed out in 1 John as the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the three main temptations that all of us will deal with, what your eyes see and what you lust after to be greedy for, what your flesh, this body desires and then what pride tells you you can do as opposed to what God says you are to do. Those are the three ways the devil has always come at us. Adam and Eve lost, Jesus won. 
Now Jesus had to die on the cross to make up to be a sacrifice for all the sins we had committed. So not only did he now live a perfect life and deserve to go to heaven for himself, which he could have just ended it right there and say, I'm king. Y'all are still going to die and go to hell, but I'll rule and reign over you for 70 years, and after you die, you'll go to hell. No, what he did was he then died for our sins, being the perfect sacrifice to please the Father. And then by doing that, he made a kingdom of priests and kings, as he said. So we are all now priests to the Father. We don't need Father Tom to be a priest because through Jesus, he is our only needed mediator between us and God. And so he said, I, 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 could go, I could just call it right now and say, hey, I didn't sin. I didn't give in to the devil. I'll now live forever. My body will never die. That's why Adam and Eve's body died is because they gave in to sin. So he could now say, my body will never die. I don't have a curse of sin. That's why I was born of a virgin. So he could say, I'll rule and reign here. Kind of like you would see in Lord of the Rings, like the elves, they live on for a long time while man keeps dying. He could have done that. But no, he said, I want to make a kingdom. A kingdom of priests, those who can talk directly to God, and of kings who will rule with me in this kingdom. And that's why Jesus always talked about the kingdom. He said, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He said, when the Son comes in his kingdom with the angels, he will separate the nations. Hello, somebody. It was always about his kingdom. And not alone, just him being perfect. So he wanted to be what we would call a perfect Savior. That's Jesus. That, that just says it all. Can I hear an amen? amen? If you know Jesus, you'll have victory. You know Jesus, you'll know victory. Know Jesus and owe Jesus, no victory. Hello. K-N-O Jesus, know Jesus, no victory. Hello, somebody. Now we see that in heaven there are these wonderful creatures. Because now we're going to have to start understanding what's going on. Now, let me just pause right here because I know some of you, it's a little bit hard to start talking about heavenly creatures and winged beings and, and creatures that have multiple faces and uh, all of these things that, that, that they're described as in the Bible. That may be for you a little bit hard. And like I said, it's okay to come to the Bible skeptical as long as you come ready to learn. If you come doubting and say, I know it all, then that's a fool because you don't know what you don't know. Think about that. That's what a fool is. You don't know what you don't know, so let somebody teach you. Have you ever been to heaven? No, somebody has and told you what it's like. I haven't been there, but somebody has been there. Hello? Jesus was there. Certain prophets were there, and they've told us what it's like. So you may come to the Bible and go, I don't really know about all this. I, I have never heard it. Well, then be teachable and see if the Bible answers your questions. I believe it does. Well, let me just say this before we get into some of these heavenly creatures. The only reason why the creatures you look at now are normal is because you've grown up with them. So what is normal? I mean, normal really only means something you're used to. So you're used to a dog. That's normal to you. You're used to a bird. But how many know when you look at a new creature that they find underwater, that's not normal to you. That looks crazy. Right? Like some underwater seahorse that's like purple, pink, and all these colors and glows and has little things coming off the top of its head. You're like, wow, that's on our planet? Yep, that's on our planet. Or they show you some picture of a thing that lives in the jungle, some insect. You're like, oh, my gosh, where did that thing come from? Right? So why do we think as humans we, under, we, we can tell God what's normal and abnormal? He looks at us and goes, I created you, I created a dog, and I created a six-winged creature in heaven. What, what does it mean to you? You have six-winged insects down here, and you think that's normal. 
You think a bee is normal, right? You think an ant is normal. You, you think these things are normal. So let us not have a pride when we read about these things. Let's humble ourselves. Another thing that I want you to think about is how, how these beings are spirits, and they're able to have a spirit and talk and do stuff. We shouldn't think that's weird either. We shouldn't think that it's weird that Satan could possess a serpent because a spiritual being lives uh, a spiritual being can live within its side of a physical being. And you may say, well, I don't understand that. Well, think about just you. Just think about you for a second. Get deep about you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to talk about you. You are made of dirt. You are made, think about everything they put on a microscope to your brain, to, to the body. It's made of dirt. Yet you talk to yourself. Literally, that is like Plato talking to itself. You talk to, think about the miracle of that. You Talk to yourself. Don't even let, let me tell you something. If any of you have been in a biology class, any of you have been in a psychology class, and they have told you that they understand consciousness, they are lying to you. Because the people who wrote their textbooks, I listened to their lectures, all, all, everybody say all. all. Every major physicist, every major psychologist, every one of them admits we have no idea what consciousness is. We have no idea. We cannot explain. We can understand certain patterns in the brain, but every time they think they understand the brain, the brain surprises them. But even that doesn't explain consciousness because dogs have brain, and our brain and their brain looks almost identical. Like a Play-Doh. It just looks like a Play-Doh. It just looks like mass of the flesh. It's just a brain. But we think to ourselves. This is the mystery of God in creation. And so if God can put a spirit inside of your body that started off as a seed and an egg and, 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 and grew to the size of a, of a pea and then grew, you know what I'm saying? You started off like, and then there's, there's, and then there's a spirit in you. He can put a spirit in a six-winged creature. A, a, a demon can possess, Satan can possess a serpent and talk through it. Angels can come down and walk among us as they have all throughout the Bible. You shouldn't think to yourself that I, I got a finger on God. I, I, I can tell God what makes sense. I can tell God this is dumb, God. I live in the 21st century, and I figured it out. This seraphim is dumb. Don't expect me to believe that. No, that's foolish. You can't even, listen, I'm going to say it again. You can't even explain how you think to yourself. You can't even, you don't even understand that. Now, just imagine, just think of technology. Just the stuff we make, just what we make. If this right now went through a time machine with me, and I came into the Roman Empire, and, you know, it's whatever, like 200 B.C., and I'm walking around with this thing, and the battery is dead. I can't even turn it on, but it's in my pocket. And I show this to somebody, and I go, inside of this comes noise. Music plays from this. I have on this, I could point to their library and say, I have on this 3,000 books. Literally, that's what I have. 3,000 books on this. That's why I want him to write, open the right program because i got to be ready for your questions. Amen? Because I hear them through the Spirit. <laughs> I hear your little heart. Oh, I just wonder about that. And then the Lord goes, okay, we'll take that question, put it back into his spirit. Boop, answer it. Boop, 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 boop. And it sounds funny, but I think that's sometimes how it works, right? So I got 3,000 books. They would look at me going, stupid. You're stupid. You're dumb. This doesn't have 3,000 books. It can't fit. 
Because what they would think 3,000 books means is 3,000 books like that going into this. And they would say, you're dumb. What they would think of is music, somebody playing the drum, somebody playing this, somebody, and you can't fit that into here. Hello, somebody. And we're trying to tell God he can't create angels. He said, I can fit in my creation whatever I want to fit. I can make happen whatever I want to make happen. Y'all create a phone that you can talk to each other across the country, put music in. Get the, you don't think I can make a six-winged creature look like an ox? What are you? Who are you? Hello? And in the 21st century, we think we're so smart, but yet we're fools. We're fools. Look at what a seraphim is. Seraphim. It's a heavenly creature with six wings that fly around the throne of God. We know of four. One has a face of a lion, another of an ox. The third has a face like a man, and the fourth like an eagle. Now, once again, we only know faces on spirits like our face of this uh, of, of, of flesh. We only know fleshly fate like spirits living in flesh have human faces. Why can't God put a spirit inside of a face that looks like a lion? Now, this, this will just blow your mind. If we can make it with technology in a CG, how come God couldn't make it in reality? You, you can watch Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, which is based off the gospel, and you can watch a lion talk. I mean, I mean, I know it's not real, but I'm saying they can put in a program to say, Lion, you talk, and you watch it on a movie, and you go, oh, that's kind of believable. How come God, the one who made every matter, every atom, everything you see, make a real lion's face and say, now talk, lion. You talk. You put a spirit in a lion. He'll put a spirit whatever he wants to. We just happen to look the way we do because we're made in his image, the Bible tells us. They have, there's four of them. So they're flying around the throne. One looks like a man. One looks like an eagle. One looks like a lion. One looks like an ox. Two wings they cover their face with. Two wings they cover their feet with. And the other two they fly with. And that gives God glory. And the Bible says on their wings are covered with eyes. See, we only have two eyes. How come God can't give them eight eyes, a hundred eyes? See, who are we to tell the designer what to design? The next thing that we see is the cherubim. Everybody say the cherubim. And I have those scriptures there. Do you look them up if you want to? The cherubim are heavenly creatures that have wings and sometimes multiple faces. And we could sometimes see Siamese twins with multiple heads, and that's an accident of our genetic code, but it shows that two heads can live upon one body. Why couldn't four heads be on one body and God go, that gives me glory? Now, what's unique about us, this is what you have to understand, is they're not made in his image. So we have to understand that man is unique to all the creations. Because when we're made in his image, and then he comes down to save our behinds, and we, get mess, we mess it up, he comes looking just like us. He wasn't born of a dog walking around going, I'm going to be your savior now. Because he could have put a spirit in a dog. The dog could have had a virgin birth. And here comes the dog. Just, I'm Jesus walking around. We'd all be like, what is going on? Seriously, we'd be like, what? But that dog starts doing miracles. The dog is talking. That would be normal to all of us because we would have grown up for 2,000 years hearing about the time Jesus came as a dog. You see, but Jesus came as a man. Jesus came as a human being because in the beginning we were made in his image. Dogs were not made in his image. Birds were not made in his image. Angels were not made in his image. Man was made in his image. The next ones that we see are the real cool ones, the archangels. These are the angels and angelic messengers. These are the ones that you've read about and heard their stories in the Bible. Michael, Daniel, 
uh, and Gabe, excuse me, Michael and Gabriel, and they're talked about in first in Daniel, and then also in the book of Revelation and in the Gospel of Luke, uh, and, and and there may be more of them, but I like to sometimes think to myself, if there's two that we know of that are very active in the Bible, and they look like man, but here's the thing, they were never born in the flesh. But their image is like a man when they come down. They always look like a man. And these archangels don't have any wings. So when you think of Gabriel coming, Gabriel doesn't have wings. It doesn't say Gabriel had wings. The only ones that have wings are the seraphim and the cherubim. When the archangels come, they look just like us. But they don't have a body. They can take the form of a temporary body and look like a man. But they are not born of Adam and Eve. Or as we would say, they're not of the race of Adam and Eve. They are an angelic race. We are the human race. And what you find out about them is that they're servants of God doing his bidding. And so when Abraham had two angels come and visit, I, I just wonder, because uh, it, was, it was God and two angels. And then the two angels went down to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. You can read about that in Genesis 18 on the plains of Mamre. I just wonder, is that Gabriel and Michael? See, now this is where I'm going to disappoint some of y'all, not getting weird, and start naming off stuff that I don't know about and making like I do know about and sell a book to y'all for $9.99 about <laughs> Jesus' buddies, Gabriel and Michael. Amen? And you'd be like showing all your friends, look at this, look at this, there's Gabriel and Michael right here, look at this. You know, oh, I never heard that before. That's so awesome. Well, the reason why you never heard it before is because somebody made it up, okay? Just look at it in your Bible. Now let me just show you one little story. Can I show you a story about when uh, Michael comes around? Let's go to Michael here. Michael's found in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. Daniel 10, 13. Were you not able to get it, good sir? Okay, is it the other way? Just find it for me. Daniel 10, 13. Open it up for me so I can know where you put it. And see that uh, this angelic messenger comes down to dwell with us just a temporary time and then leaves back up. But he does the message uh, that he does, he, he does what he was supposed to do. Thank you. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Okay, now watch this. Now I said Michael came to Daniel. I was mistaken. Let me just go up here a little bit. You can see the angel coming to Michael. Here we go. Here we go. Let me just explain to you what happens here so I don't get ahead of myself. Okay. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, grazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, and my face hit the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about ready to speak to you, and stand up, for I have been sent to you. And when he said this, I stood up trembling. Now, this is an angel that we don't know the person's name. This is an angel coming to him, okay? Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days, and this is a type of a demonic leader. The demonic leader is being called the prince of the Persian kingdom. He resisted me. Then Michael one of the chief princes, this is an angelic prince, Michael the archangel, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So now this angel gives him the, vis uh, gives him the understanding of what's going to happen to the Israelites. And God gave uh, Daniel a prophetic vision that's still being fulfilled today. Now, see where Gabriel comes in uh, Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8, what is that, verse 12? What did I say here? Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 16. 
Look at Gabriel comes to visit him. And I heard a man's voice from the Ulai calling Gabriel. Uh, I heard a man's voice from this uh, place calling Gabriel. Tell this man the meaning of the vision. So he's in a vision. He hears a man call out. This might be the same uh, angel that had come to him when Michael allowed him to come. And so now he hears this guy saying, hey, hey, Gabriel, Gabriel, hey, let him know you're here too. Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. So he's like seeing Gabriel come, boom, he hits the floor. Uh, and then he says, son of man, understand what the vision concerns the time of the end. Understand that the vision, rather, concerns the time of the end. So why is this so important? Why is Michael warring so this angel can come and visit with Daniel? Why is Gabriel there helping this angel communicate a message? It's because Daniel gets the end of the world at this time. He got the entire human history. The book of Daniel tells us what's going to happen. The book of Revelation quotes from Daniel more than any other book in the Bible. Can I hear an amen to that? Now, do you believe that? Let's just talk about this for a second. Come on, let's talk. Do you believe that Daniel had an angel assigned to him that was communicating with a warring angel named Michael and then also communicating with the messenger archangel Gabriel? That's up to you. Do you know that Jesus saw angels and talked about them? Do you know that Mary had an angel visit her? Who was the angel that visited Mary? Gabriel. Do you know that the New Testament authors talk about Michael, the archangel? So now, not only is spiritual warfare a reality, but it's a basis of the entire Bible. So it's something that you need to decide, do I believe? Do I believe that when Daniel was praying and seeking after God, that there was real things happening in heavenly places, that there was really angels fighting each other and none, another angel coming down to be with him and, and that God was sending forth message? Do I believe that? That's something you have to ask yourself. I do for the reasons I've stated before. Now, let's look at our enemy. We've learned about him already, Satan who used to be called Lucifer, he had a name. Like Michael had a name, Gabriel has a name rather. Lucifer had a name, and it means son of the morning. Now, this is what some people say, and I don't know if it's true, that God created three archangels, and that Satan is the missing of the third. So that God is a triune being. We are made in the triune image of God, male, female, and offspring, or body, soul, and spirit. And so when God created the angelic race, he made three main angels, one race in charge of worship under Lucifer, one in charge of sending messages, working with Gabriel, and the other in war fighting under Michael. There are some that believe that. I don't know because the Bible never tells us. But we know he was in heaven and that he then has pride. And so we understand that before mankind was created, the angelic race, like us, had a chance to sin and choose what they wanted to do. Satan chose to leave. When he did, he took a third of the angels with him. And those angels then become what we know as demons. But before we just get into Satan and demons, we owe it to ourselves to go back and look at the passage that we first read at the introduction, which is the series text, which is here in Ephesians uh, 6.11 that says when we're fighting, we're fighting against four kinds of demons, four kinds of principalities and authorities, rulers, authorities, powers, 
and against forces. So let us look at that ranking that the Bible itself gives us. So we have Jesus with these kind of uh, heavenly creatures in his authority under his calling, um, or rather under his command. And now we see that Satan has rulers. Rulers could possibly be like those who are named in Daniel 10, 13, when Michael faced the prince of Persia. This is now where many Christians, including myself, believe that the devil has organized himself like a military. So over Chicago, he has a ruler, and then from that ruler, he does his bidding. Because Satan and demons can only be in one place at one time. Same thing with angels. Only God can be at all places at all times. So for Satan to enact his authority, he has rulers. Now, the next we see are authorities, and these could be the mayors, like the governor could be the ruler, and the authorities could be the mayors, or some commentators, this thing, because those words are so similar that there may only be three rankings instead of four, but I like to still believe there's four because there's an and in between their descriptions. So I would say that the devil has governors, maybe over a state or a region, mayors over neighborhoods or cities. And then we see powers, and these powers are said to be in this dark world. It says there are powers in this dark world, and these kind of powers are what I believe are demonic powers that are inside of people, but do not make them babbling idiots and do not make them incapacitated, but simply will through them what Satan wants done. And so you see this at the end times, that the Antichrist is possessed at the end times, and yet he's not drooling at the mouth, shaking on the floor. And so this may be what happened with Hitler. Hitler may have had a demonic power inside of him, motivating him. Psychotic people may have demonic power. So they're not, they're not shaking all the time. They're not looking like the demoniac we see in the Bible, who is naked and cutting himself, but they are in their mind, but they are serving the purpose of the devil. This, lay, this, this, this may be Lady Gaga. This may be Oprah Winfrey because of the deception that they bring. The, the way that they become popular in culture, the way that they so speak to the masses, Little Wayne for gangsters, Lady Gaga for, for, for little teeny boppers, hello, Oprah Winfrey for moms and women at home, hello, and, and uh, maybe other business leaders, right? I'm not going to say Donald Trump, but, but you know what I'm saying. Y'all would probably say amen. Amen. He's definitely possessed by demonic power. You said Oprah Winfrey, why not say, you know, Donald Trump? I don't know. Maybe we'll just leave it there. All of them could be possessed. They're all crazy. But that's something to think about. And then the next thing is that he says spiritual forces in heavenly places. And this is probably where we get the foot soldier. This is where that demon comes along and starts afflicting you. When you are being afflicted by thoughts that are not your own, there is more than likely a demon speaking on your spiritual radio. He's speaking your spiritual frequency. All of us probably have a spiritual frequency. See, think about the radio. There's radio waves going through here right now. All of us have radios going through here. But you are tuned into your radio, right? Uh, I mean, if you have a radio in your car, you're tuned in. You choose what that station is. Are you guys with me? How many remember what a radio was? Okay, not talking about a digital radio. I'm talking about something you, something you have an antenna for, okay? 
Now, you have a tuner. Yeah, you have a tuner. You tune it in. That's what your radio is tuned to. Now, everybody else can tune to that if they want to, right? But it seems like in the spiritual realm, like let's say mine is, you know, 95, 90, you know, at 95 FM. I am tuned into 95 FM. That's why I can hear myself. You can't hear me, but I can hear myself. Hello. And then the demons can probably speak to 95 FM if they want to. As well as angels could speak to 95 FM. The Holy Spirit, 95 FM. That's my signal. What's your signal? Hello, all of us have signals. And so that's where we get into, and we're going to talk all about this this month. So you better come. Don't just leave me hanging on the introduction here. Amen. Because I only got nine more minutes to wrap up the cosmic battle of the ages here, okay? You better come and learn how to whoop the devil, amen? Come and learn some stuff. I just got to tell you the basics right here, amen? Come back next week. So, so just the idea of we do have our own thoughts, and our own thoughts can tempt us. Don't get, us, get me wrong. The Bible talks about two sources of temptation. One is demonic and one is ourself. But the thing that we do have to be honest with and not let people make excuses, well, the devil made me do it, because that is a violation of what we would call the Geneva Code of Heaven. The Geneva Code of Heaven is no demon, nor angel, nor God, nor Satan can violate the will of man. That's why God stood back and let Adam and Eve do what they did, because he would not violate his own code. Therefore, you cannot use the excuse, a demon made me do it. You cannot, because the demon cannot violate you that way. You have to give in to that. You have to choose that. That's why I still believe in the justice system, okay, because people are held responsible. But what you can have is thoughts, and thoughts are the language of the spirit. And we'll be here all day talking about that. I could show you that in the Bible a hundred ways over. Two good books to read. One is a fictional book by C.S. Lewis called uh, The Screwtape Letters. And he talks about the different rankings of demons and how they talk to each other. And it's not all spooky like you would think. It's a very logical way to think about probably how the devil works. And if you look at your own life, you may see this fictional work, just like how he wrote Lord of the Rings. I mean, um, uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. It would be maybe very helpful. And then the other one, I'm not going to give you... All of these guys that I love that cast out demons, Sergio, I mean, um, Carlos and Acondia, Listen to Me, Satan. Those are books for the next level. But for just this entry level, I, I would just say get the book Minding the Heart, Minding the Heart. Learning how your mind interacts with your spirit just in a basic biblical way would really help you understand the creation that you are. You are a spirit in a body that possesses a soul. And we'll be here all day on that. But that's where, you, that's where we're going to be fighting right here. We, we may get down with some powers and authorities. We may be wrestling some rulers. We may be taking down the Prince of Chicago, body slamming him up here. But chances are, if that happens, come see me first because you might have eaten too much pizza watching a movie before you went to bed, okay? Like Constantine or one of these movies that came out and the angels and demons are all fighting each other. So let me just say this. If you ever think that you're having angels come to your house and they're talking to you and you're fighting the prince of Persia or the prince of Chicago, would you please just come and talk to me and just let me know where you're at with all that, okay? Because I just want to help guard you away from being superstitious, okay? And I, and I could just say a lot more on that, but I won't. So that's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn what's primarily the kind of spiritual warfare that we are primarily going to learn about is fighting the battle of the mind. Keeping our radio signal pure so that we can hear the thoughts of God in our heart and be led by the Holy Spirit and the intentions that he has for us. 
we will wrestle with the evil in this world. Because the Bible says you're gonna, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but you fight against this. You will learn how to do that. We will pray. We will learn to intercede. But it's not going to be anything more than that. I'm not going to start giving you guys swords and, and, and tell you to pretend you, when you're praying you're slashing demons. I'm not going to give you a special oil and sell it for $5.99 with a holy rag. I, I'm not going to get you water from Jerusalem and you're going to sprinkle it all over your house. All, all that we're going to do when we do the other things is we're just going to simply learn to pray and intercede. Because that's all that Daniel was doing. That's, that's all he was doing. He was praying for his nation, and then boom, ping, pow, all of this starts happening. So we're just going to do what he did, whether we see the visions or not. We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray against the evil of the world. We're going to pray for people to get saved, and we'll learn how to do that. But primarily, you will learn how to resist the bait of Satan that comes to you through demonic lies. And that's where the Bible says, taking every thought captive. Take every thought captive. So thoughts that come to your radio signal that are against the word of God, you're going to learn to take them captive and cast them down and exalt the word of God. That is how you will stand in the victory of Jesus. Amen? And so in closing here, if Ishmael could come to the guitar, please, I want you to see here are the different battles. And this is what freaks people out, but you all need to see this. If you do not have a born-again relationship with Jesus, you are what the Bible calls an unbeliever. Guess who your battle's against? It ain't against Satan because you're on his side. Woo, that will mess up some people right there, but it gets you right too. Amen? That will turn your, your world right side up, won't it? If you're not born again, you and the devil are not fighting against each other. Islam is not fighting against the devil. They're on the devil's side. Hinduism is not fighting against the devil. They have evil. Of course, they have a sense of evil in their beliefs and doctrines, but they are not fighting against evil. They are actually deceived and are fighting with evil. Look at what James 4.4 4 says, if you don't believe me. James was the half-brother of Jesus because Mary and Joseph got it on after Jesus was born of a virgin. Can I hear an amen? Do not believe in the perpetual virginity of the Bible. I'll show you as clear as that he had brothers and he had sisters. Here's James, his half-brother. You adulterers, do you not realize that friendship with the world makes you a enemy of God? Enemy of who? Enemy of God. I say it again. Okay, James, if you're going to say it twice, we better take you seriously, right? If you, pointing to his people, and I'll point here to our people, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So unbelievers are on the devil's side already and are being defeated by him. So unbeliever, repent of your treason against the high king of heaven. Bow your knee to Jesus Christ and confess him, Lord, and break up with the devil and tell him it's over. Amen? Give him back all the junk he gave to you and said you can keep it and go to hell with that. I'm going to heaven with Jesus, even if I had to go by myself. Amen? Now, if you're a believer, how many believers do I got in the place? Disciples of Christ, amen. Now for us, we fight with the angels of heaven. We fight on the side of Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. It's not Jesus versus the devil. The devil's already been defeated by Jesus. And in that one sense, God has always been over Jesus. It's Jesus with us against the devil because now it's our choice. It's our choice. So what you want to remember is that Jesus defeated the devil a long time ago and heaven kicked him out like it was nothing. Psh, get out of here, you old snake. Get out of here. 
So when you look at your life, you should not be thinking to yourself that it looks like this, that, that the devil and Jesus are arm wrestling. That is false. That's not what's going on. That's not what's happening. What you should see is that it looks like this. Amen. That's Jesus with the devil. He just stomped on the devil. That, so the victory has already been given to Jesus. So, so where is our battle? Our battle is against the devil in Jesus' name. Our battle is now against him for our family in Jesus' name. Remember, mankind is the ones that God gave the rulership to. They lost it to Satan. Jesus took it back. That's why he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Woo! And he said, I'm with you always yes. to the end of the age. Yes. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.21, Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. That's why demons leave in Jesus' name. If you think you saw your dead grandmother, come here and I'll cast that thing out in Jesus' name. Because it's a demon pretending to be your grandmother. Because demons can pretend to be other images. Just like angels can come and look like us. No soul is able to leave its place of punishment or reward after heaven. No soul. Only angels and demons interact in this world. If you think you're seeing someone like your relative, you're seeing an enemy. Cast it out in Jesus' name. And say, I'll see my, grand my real grandmother when I get to heaven. Amen. Here's what you need to know. Jesus defeated the devil, having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Made a fool out of them. Jesus defeated the power and the presence and the penalty of sin. 1 John 3, 8 says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy, hallelujah, the devil's work. Not to leave one part of it intact. He destroys the power, the presence, and the penalty of sin. That's why you can be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be holy as he is holy. That's why you're called a saint and not an ain't. You are a saint of God. Hallelujah. Read your Bible. Amen. Jesus defeated sorrow. Isaiah 51, 11, those the Lord has rescued will return. How many have been rescued by the Lord up in this place? They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Hallelujah. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Let joy come into your life now. The joy of the Lord is your strength, the Bible says. The Bible says he gives you peace beyond understanding. Why? Because 95 FM can't get it all. So you just got to go to heaven FM and say, God, download all your peace in my soul. It don't even matter if I understand it or not. I don't understand the code of this computer, but I'm using it. Hallelujah. Put the code of heaven in my soul and make me new again, Jesus. Woo! By the way, you're going to learn about that. That's what, that's what praying in tongues is doing. It's building your soul. It's the binary code of heaven. You look at this computer, it says, oh, I, oh, I, oh, or, or zero, one, zero, one, zero, you know, blah, 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 blah. When I speak in tongues, you may not understand it, but God is reprogramming and refreshing my mind. Hallelujah. Woo! 
I'm glad I got the Holy Ghost in fire today. Amen. This ain't a Presbyterian church. This is a Pentecostal church. Amen. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, devil, and get some in Jesus' name. We're, we're not like, we're not like the, the defeated people of the Israelites listening to Goliath mess with us. We're like David. We see the devil. We come running because I know my God is on my side, and he will take him out more than conquerors Jesus defeated sickness that's why we pray for healing first Peter chapter 2 verse 24 he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins live for righteousness and by his wounds you have been healed how many want to believe God for healing today and if I don't get it down here I'm going to get it up there praise God you know what? We got a battle to wage in heavenly places. That's what Ephesians 6 says. But Ephesians 2 says we are seated in Christ yeah. in heavenly places. Yeah. Hallelujah. So though we have to wage a war in the heavenly realms yeah. against the powers of darkness, we do so seated on our pappy's lap in heavenly places, trusting in the power of God, in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where I'm standing. I'm standing on the seat of Jesus Christ. I am standing in the authority of Jesus Christ. And that's why we remain undefeated. Amen? I don't give a rip who wins the Super Bowl today. I don't give a flying flip. I don't care. But I want to see you win in the super life that God has given you. I want to see you win at life and defeat the devil. If you believe it, stand up. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise for the victory belongs to the Lord. Come on. I'm an overcomer. Come on, I'm victorious. Start praying right now what you can pray. If all you can say is thank you, Jesus, say thank you, Jesus. But come on, some of you pray right now. Thank you, Lord. I'm an overcomer. I praise you for the blood today. I praise you, God, that you came and died for me. Come on, somebody, thank him. Make it personal today. What are you facing right now? Tell it to go in Jesus' name. Get ready to put on your armor. Get ready to put on your armor and fight against the lies of the devil. It's time. It's time. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Attacks against marriage. Are you ready to start fighting the devil who's attacking your marriage? Come on. Attacks against your children. Attacks against your finances. We all deal with the same thing, just in different ways. Attacks against family. Finances, community, health, I mean, mental life. It's all the same for all of us. It's just we all affected in different ways. The devil may not attack my marriage like he attacks yours, or he may not attack my children like he attacks yours, but we all go through attacks. Right now, if you want to ask God to mount you up on that, that, that mount that armor all over you right now, and get ready to fight, just raise up your hands and say, Lord, I'm putting on the armor today. I ask for your blessing today. And Lord, I'm going to fight for these things. Come on, say, Lord, help me to wage war today. Help me to wage war against these things coming against me. I'm going to wage war against sickness. I'm going to take my spiritual medicine. I'm going to keep praying over myself. I'm going to wage war for my marriage. I'm going to speak the word 
over my marriage. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. At the end, I'll just give you the conclusion of the armor. It's the Word of God is the sword in prayer. Pray on all occasions with the sword of the Spirit. Come on. 30 more seconds before we go. Just make it personal. Just prepare yourself this month for victory. I want to see victory in our lives. Taking every thought captive. What lies have you been wrestling with? I can't live pure. Men say that all the time. Well, I'm just a man. I can't stop looking at pornography. The devil's a liar. Yes, you can. Take those thoughts captive. Wage war. We're on marriage. is too far gone. No, it's not. Let God restore you. Oh, well, my job, it's, it's terrible. Come there with a positive attitude to see what God will do. Let God give you faith for that job. Your purpose. A few more moments, saints, and then I'll pray for you. Altar workers, would you come, please? A few more moments. You just talk to him. He's our king. He's our king. He's your king. He's my king. The Bible says he set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Now I'm going to pray for some of you here today. I'm just going to start praying for marriages today. If you need God to touch your marriage, just raise up your hand. Nobody's looking. Nobody cares. I just want you to make a sign of surrender. Just something, you know. Just just say, I'm believing for that. Come on, marriages right now be restored. Be healed. Devil, loose these marriages and let them go. All your authority, your powers be broken over their life, your forces. I pray that they lose their authority and power in their life right now. I pray that everyone here will start to know that those lies are coming from you and they'll take you head on, devil. Right now, if you want to pray for your children, just raise up your hands. Just any, any, any issue with your children, healing, you want to see them live for God, you want to see them come back to God, come on, let me just pray for children. Lord, these are the most important things in our lives, our marriages and our children. And that's where the devil always tries to fight us, is right there. It was Cain who killed his, uh, it was Abel, Cain who killed his brother Abel. See, it was right there in the family. And it's, and it's always been there. So we rebuke you, Satan, you yes. liar. Yes. You can't have our children. None of them. They belong to Jesus. They will do what Jesus made them to do. We speak the word over them, young and old, that they will live for Jesus. Hallelujah. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Just a few more things. Finances right now. Finances. You need a breakthrough in your finance. I believe the devil wants us to be broke, busted, and disgusted. Not that every time we go through a trouble, it's always the devil's fault. Sometimes it's wisdom that we need to grow in. Other times it's just God testing us. But I know some of you, you just in an attack on your finances. If that's you, raise up your hand and say, devil, loose my blessing and let it go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I could keep you here all day telling you stories about once people got obedient with their tithe and offering, once they started praying and believing God, how the Lord changed them, how the Lord blessed them. I could tell you about people having cars and homes and clothes. And I know we can see or serve Jesus without those things, but those things matter to us. And I know God wants to bless us with them. How about this right now, health? Any of you right now just dealing with the touch of your body from the curse of sin? Not that you personally sin, but it's because when Adam and Eve sinned, the world went crazy. We have natural disaster. We have physical sickness. And you just want to proclaim the victory of Jesus over your body right now. Raise up your hands. Come on. Right now, be healed in Jesus' name. 
by the stripes of Jesus Christ be healed. Body, be aligned in Jesus' name. Sickness, go right now. We believe it. We believe it. We believe that bodies are healed in the presence of Jesus, either here on this earth or the world to come. The victory belongs to Jesus. I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. Now, how many of you just want to do something fun? You just want to wrestle with the prince of the air, the, the ruler of Chicago. You want to mess with him? How many of y'all want to mess with him?